truck and load. This is Steve Dace. The Steve Dace Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Thanks for tuning in here live and on demand on The Blaze. I am Steve Dace. Todd and Aaron are here with me as well. 888-900-3393 is the number if you want to join us. 888-900-3393. And we love to know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox, which you can access one of three ways. Steve at stevedace.com is how you can email us. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. And for those of you listening on the radio or the podcast later today, last name is spelled D-E-A-C-E. And if you are tuning in today on the podcast, thank you very much. No matter where you are or when you are, choosing to access us today. We always are honored you would give us at least a little bit of your time. Uh, And if you are a podcast user, if you haven't done this yet, if you could leave us one of those five-star reviews, the more of those we get at iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, et al., the more chances we have to find more people like you. And the more people like you we find, the more we continue to get paid. And I think that's really what everybody wants. 888-900-3393. 888-900-3393. At least I can think of five people. True story, bruh. Uh, that live uh, in a suburban home in West Des Moines. I know that they would like that. Yes. <laughs> a couple of guys Me flanking me here. Too. Yeah, yes. Uh, second, third. Yes. Okay. Um, coming up uh, later on today, Ron says, me too. What else? I don't know what else you would do. Who else he would annoy <laughs> uh, from noon to two Eastern if we weren't here? Yes. Ron, whose face uh, will never be seen. Uh, But his voice is often heard by us. Uh, Coming up a little bit later on today, uh, our good friend Bob Vanderplas is going to join us. And uh, we're going to get his take on what he wants to hear from President Trump tomorrow with the delayed. But the show will go on nonetheless. State of the Union. Also, we're going to start taking our weekly look at my new book, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believe to Our Own Demise. We're going to go through a chapter of that each week on the show, a little book study, not so cleverly disguised as a completely contrived attempt to promote my new book. See how we do things around here? Once again, pay for those houses. That's right. No no BS. No BS. That's right. Uh, but hopefully there will be something at least remotely edifying over the course of that, uh, that second hour contrivance still to come. But first, we must, of course, get updated on what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Schadenfreude, Trepidation, Disgust, and the Definition of Sin. In fact, we'll start with that last one there, the definition of sin, because this weekend we learned our culture's definition of sin is as follows. Advocating infanticide, totally cool, not a sin. Stupid at best costume you wore in college, totally a sin and you must repent. Yes, we're talking about Virginia Governor Ralph Northam, who had himself quite a week last week. It started with him advocating for infanticide and then later doubling down. And then this photo of him surfaced from his med school days. It's not clear whether he's the one dressed up as a slave in blackface or whether he's the Klansman. Let me repeat that last sentence again. It's not clear whether he's the one dressed as a slave in blackface or whether he's the Klansman. Maybe one might think, you know, maybe it's not him at all. Well, he released this video on Friday night. That photo and the racist and offensive attitudes it represents does not reflect that person I am today or the way that I have conducted myself as a soldier, a doctor, and a public servant. And the calls for him to resign came in like a, 
Well, there's several abortion analogies that I could use and were used over the weekend, but we'll skip that for now. Joe Biden, there's no place for racism in America. Governor Northam has lost all moral authority. Eric Holder, I have come to know Ralph Northam as a good and very decent man. I regretfully conclude that he does not now have the ability to effectively govern. Kamala Harris, leaders are called to a higher standard, and the stain of racism should have no place in the halls of government. The governor of Virginia should step aside so the public can heal and move forward together. Elizabeth Warren, these racist images are deeply disturbing. Bernie Sanders, Governor Northam should resign. Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax should step in and begin a new day for Virginia. You get the picture. But not so fast, my friend. Governor Northam held a press conference on Saturday where he said, My belief that I did not wear that costume or attend that party stems in part from my clear memory of other mistakes I made in the same period of my life. Hey, remember that time from like two minutes ago that I played that video of Ralph Northam on Friday night where he said he was in that photo and apologized for it? Yeah, those were good times. So anyway, after apologizing for being in said photo and then saying he wasn't in said photo, Governor Northam went on to reveal a separate incident where he dressed up in so-called blackface as Michael Jackson for a dance party and then revealed that he could moonwalk. And then he was asked by an intrepid journalist. My wife says inappropriate circumstances. Dude started the week advocating for infanticide and darn near finished it moonwalking during a press conference where he was defending himself from racism. Wow. But again, I think this is a good time to remind you of the founder of Planned Parenthood, Margaret Sanger. We do not want word to go out that we want to exterminate the Negro population. Margaret Sanger, letter to Dr. Clarence Gamble. By the way, Nancy Pelosi called on Governor Northam to resign on Saturday. Here's what she said just the day before when asked about infanticide and Governor Northam's comments. I'm sorry, I just don't know what he said yesterday. I just don't know. Yes. Are you going to ask a new question or is it the same old, same old? Moving on to something completely different, Cory Booker officially announced his candidacy for president last week. In America, we have a common pain, but what we're lacking is a sense of common purpose. What's up? Amen. I grew up. Okay, that's enough. There's a clip going around recently of Ellen Page. She's a fairly popular actress. She appeared recently on The Late Show where she trashed Mike Pence. Connect the dots. This is what happens. If you are in a position of power and you hate people and you want to cause suffering to them, you go through the trouble. You spend your career trying to cause suffering. What do you think is going to happen? James Hodgkinson and Bernie Sanders could not be reached for comment. And finally, the Washington Post ran an ad during last night's Super Bowl. Here's basically what it was. Hello, I'm Tom Hanks. The U.S. government has lost its credibility, so it's borrowing some of mine. Replace government with media, and that's basically what that commercial voiced by Tom Hanks was. And that's what happened while we were away.
Oh, Aaron's montage today brought to you by friends at uh, Real Estate Agents I Trust. If you're thinking of buying or selling a home this year, realestateagentsitrust.com is what you want to check out. It's a company started by Glenn Beck and some of his associates a few years ago because they were getting frustrated with real estate agents who talked a good game but then could not deliver when it was necessary. I, I've been through this a couple of times, especially if you're selling a home and buying it at the same time. Another one, I mean, this will be one of the most stressful times in your life you'll go through. And, and I was blessed to have a good agent. So I, I can't imagine what happens when you have a bad one. And they're rarely held accountable. In fact, when you go through referral services, uh, they're often done the other way around. Uh, they're done to help real estate agents find clients. In this case, this one is done to empower the client to find the right agent, one that has volunteered to be vetted. And that's why if you're buying or selling a home this year, you want to do it through realestateagentsitrust.com. That's the website, realestateagents, realestateagentsitrust.com. That's realestateagentsitrust.com. So Aaron's montage today, uh, this, we're going to talk about what that was yesterday with the Super Bowl commercials on our roundtable later today at The Blaze. I... I I, I don't know what that was. At least the game was great. <laughs> you know, this happened a few years ago when everything was gay uh, with the Super Bowl ads. And um, I kind of understood it given it was coming off of the Windsor opinion at the Supreme Court. Uh, and, and everybody thought Hillary was going to win the 2016 election. Okay. So you know, you hopefully, and most of these companies aren't putting these ads together like last month. I mean, they've been working on these for the better part of a year because they're you know five million dollar ads, just the cost of the of the of the inventory, not even counting the cost of the production of the ad. And and I, I guess they probably thought Hillary would win the election. Uh, we had just had a watershed. Uh, Supreme Court opinion on redefining human civilization. So I guess I can kind of see why progressive Wall Street thought that uh, everything is gay. And then like the next year, if you'll recall, there was such a backlash to that. Everything was about dads. Do you guys remember that? The dad in the car. Yep. We even had the Paul Harvey ad about the American farmer. All right. So then the next ad, the next year, all the ads look like the video breaks during the GOP convention. Right. Okay. So I would imagine next year the pendulum will swing back the other way. But I, I don't know, unless this was Wall Street thinking they had to make their own Me Too reparations. I, but I, I don't know why they thought there would be uh, an audience for The Handmaid's Tale uh, during the Super Bowl. And then they ran an ad right after that from Serena Williams that totally undermined the the Handmaid's Tale ad. So the the Handmaid's Tale says all women are oppressed and victims. Wake up, America! It literally says that. And then the very next ad is Serena Williams, like, uh, "Why are you just letting stuff happen to you? Take initiative and own this thing." Just complete undermining of the previous. <laughs> it made no sense. Budweiser's Budweiser ran three ads, and two of them were we sell organic beer and we use wind power. I remember. I'm old enough to remember when, like last month, Budweiser was making fun of people who care about organic beer. No doubt. What's I? I, I the only thing missing was, I, I, hey, goes great with avocado toast. I mean, what? What was this? 
Who do they believe their audience is? This this went on all day. I I was flabbergasted that this was this kind of money was spent. I don't know. I mean, who was the uh, the the electric car people that ran this ad about this woman named Tony Harris? People have been doubting Tony Harris. You should know better. I'm like, who the hell is Tony Harris? You even know who this Tony Harris is? No. Never heard of her in my life. A 60-second They never told us who she is. The assumption was we all knew. I had no clue who this woman was. I, I, I and, and I'm like, first of all, I'm like, am I, I'm mad that people are oppressing her. And then I'm like, I don't know who this is. I mean, I, am I supposed to know? Maybe she deserves to be oppressed. Maybe she sucks. I don't know. She might be a terrible person. This one, I, I felt like I was watching the WNBA finals. I, I mean, this was like, I, I, the only thing missing was she stood alone from the Lifetime Network. I, I, I don't know what this was. It went on all day and all night. So congratulations to all of you marketing companies. You probably are just crushing it in every college town in America today. But the rest of America thought your ads sucked. They were terrible. The worst part about the Bud Light, I love the... The dilly dilly that then turned into the, we're not beer snobs. They were making fun of people who just need their autumnal, whatever. <laughs> yes, they yes. nailed it. But then they, like, they, they didn't even understand their own brand then, and they went to the corn. It, it just. Yes, our beer is wind powered now, Todd. Guys, you can't do the simple man, every man beer drinking thing and then go the corn syrup windmill route. Not going to work. The, the Washington Post ad was. Even more pretentious than I thought it was going oh, to be. Which it was a- because the way it starts out, I thought it was another ad honoring first responders and stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they and only then- mention the last. Tw- it's like those ads for pharmaceuticals. Um, we will cure your erectile dysfunction, and they have like Bob Dole say that in the first ten <laughs> seconds, and the next twenty five seconds is I may cause uh, erectile dysfunction. Uh, see a physician, and then the, the rest is the disclaimer. Right. Yep. So like the first 10 seconds of the ad is all Americana to suck you in. And then Anderson Cooper comes on screen. Yes. And then and then it's, uh, you know, uh, the, it's a self-pleasuring circle of media narrated by Tom Hanks. I remember I, and I thought to myself watching that last night, how many jobs at BuzzFeed and HuffPo could have been saved by the cost of that self-pleasuring circle called a commercial last night? I, I, you know what? We need to stop. We will discuss this more on the roundtable later today. I, I, I was just. I'm fascinated by who um, I, I, I am fascinated by who Madison Avenue thinks all of America is. And by the way, I wasn't alone. And I'm not and I, I, I just, you know, if you were one of the conservative media people who jumped on Twitter last night to tell us you're boycotting the Super Bowl and you're just better than us. OK, congratulations. I, you know what? To quote the great prophet Elf, you did it. You did it. Greatest a-hole ever. I didn't think it was possible. I didn't think it was possible to find another dung rag more annoying than, I won't watch the Super Bowl because Colin Kaepernick and his 84 QBR, which I don't even know what that freaking means, okay? Because, you know, the last time I watched a football game was like in the fourth grade. Uh, so I won't watch the Super Bowl because they don't have Colin Kaepernick on there and you're racist. Okay, I, I wasn't sure there would be anybody more annoying than that person. You did it. You, it was you. It was you. Thanks for hopping on there to tell us that you're just so much more patriotic than everybody else. Talk about your virtue signaling. That amount made me want to Ralph repeatedly watching that. Congrats, man. Beautiful. 
Yeah, I mean, hey, you're a better American than, the, than everybody else. Hot damn. You and Salon should hang out more often. You're two sides of the same coin. Screw you. Anyway, we'll talk more about this today on the roundtable. As you can see, I've, I'm a little fired up about that. Um, it's a good lather. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 so I, 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 there are times we need to put politics aside. And last night should have been one of them. Can I air another grievance related to this? Oh, why not? Um, yeah, the people who are saying, um, uh, yeah, I don't like, uh, I, no, you, you shouldn't hate the Patriots just because they're great. Uh, it's not conservative. Um, so is just loving people because other people hate them. Uh, loving a team just because everybody hates them. Uh, that's I don't think that's conservative. Stop making anything conservative or liberal when it comes to sports. It's just, it's just stop it. It's just trivial. Don't don't make it about anything. Although I got to admit, when the Daily Beast busted out with the Patriots are the team of alt-right nationalists, it kind of made me root for them a little bit more. I got to be honest. I got, I, I, I was kind of, and then, and then when they, when they audibled to Reagan over a hot mic and then they ran to the right, <laughs> I don't, you know what, man, I don't know. There was a certain, I, I hate to go. There was a certain almost, I felt like crash Davis in the dugout. Hey, I throw this one at him next time. You know, I mean, of all the audibles to run to the right, it's Reagan. Really? There's four-dimensional chess, and then there's Belichick dimensional yes, I, chess. That, that's why I believe there, that if you if you told me Belichick did that on purpose to troll the Daily Beast, I, I that might be the one exception I might believe in four-dimensional chess. If you were to tell me he was the Kasparov of this operation, then I I might I might agree with that. Okay. Anyway, we'll talk more about that later on because as nuts as this as that was, I got to tell you, while we're giving applause, you know what? Golf clap. Virginia. I mean, really great job, everyone. Wonderful. I mean, I mean, really congratulate yourselves. Oh, by the way, this Lieutenant governor. Uh-huh. Now we've, we're finding out this morning mm-hmm. uh, that, that, cause one of the reasons why all these lefties went out there want to get rid of Northam is the, let's just be honest. The LG's black. LG's, LG's black. And just and, as for and, and Planned Parenthood loves yeah. him, loves him. He's like their favorite black politician in all of Virginia. Okay, so this was this is perfect to get rid of the white guy who stupidly articulates what they already believe anyway, uh, and and go get the uh, young black guy as a as a as a a, a better face uh, for uh, you know the killing fields. Except he's now got his own Me Too problem, and when you know that the Washington Post didn't run with these allegations because they had a hard time independently corroborating. Any of the claims. We need another smoke break, I think. Yeah, I just... Yeah. yeah. Corroborating. Any of the claims. Um, Good thing you're not cynical on that I, because yeah. your, your, your faith in the Post was restored on Super Bowl Sunday yesterday yes, with that y- commercial. Yes, y- yes, y- yes, indeed it was. Virginia, you are... You're a wreck. What a wreck. And the Virginia Republican Party... You want to, I heard, I saw plenty of people come out over the weekend on social media and say, dude, wh- where was Ed Gillespie, the GOP nominees? Uh, where was his uh, uh, oppo research? I'll tell you where his oppo research was. Plug. Barry and Corey Stewart, brother. Now, I'm not a huge Corey Stewart guy. I probably deserve to be buried on some level, but you got to understand the goal of Republican candidates like Ed Gillespie. 
Their primary goal is not to beat the Democrat. If they can do that, great. But their primary goal is to win the primary. You, beat you. So, dude, every time Corey Stewart even thought about standing in front of a Confederate flag, I promise you, every consultant Ed Gillespie hired and candidates like him need to hire a lot. They had everything on him you could ever want. They couldn't be bothered with vetting Ralph Northam because Ralph Northam's not a threat to them. Your base is. So if this was a conservative in a primary, hell, guys, we know more. Mitch McConnell apparently knows more because today now we're, it's Afghanistan for Evs, y'all. Afghanistan for Evs. We should just all move there. Okay? I mean, we're going to be there for Evs. And I pointed that out today on Twitter, and some guy said to me, uh, well, yeah. well, at least we're, you know, uh, we're over there, so, you know, we, we don't have a terrorist haven that will then allow them to attack us. You mean, you're right. I mean, it wouldn't be like something. Would, imagine if we got attacked like something Americana, like the Boston Marathon. Wouldn't that be terrible? Or maybe if there was like a Christmas party in SoCal and some Islamists came in and just started shooting up the joint, wouldn't that be dreadful, right? You're right. We have, uh, you know, what if a guy like on Halloween in New York, York, just to, you know, said ham salami bacon with a machete and just started stabbing people. I mean, just, I'm not saying any of these things happened, you know, but I mean, it's a good thing we're in Afghanistan for Evs to stop these things from coming over here. Congratulations. Here's your sign. Okay. So Mitch McConnell apparently knows more about it. He knows more about what Roy Moore did at the Gadsden Mall in 81 than he does about how to secure the borders of Afghanistan. Why? Because you're the enemy. You're the enemy. Ed Gillespie did his job. Made sure the Corey Stewart nut job didn't win the nomination. And, and, it, and, and maybe Corey Stewart was a nut job. I don't know. I kind of thought there was evidence that he was. But here's the thing. It wouldn't have mattered if he wasn't. Let's say Corey Stewart never has any white nationalist ties. If, he, if, if the minute he is to the right of Susan Collins and runs in a primary, he is the primary threat to the Republican Party. And that's why they had no oppo research on Ralph Northam. Ralph Northam and Ed Gillespie are the same guy. One just has an R and the other has a D. Hang out in the same enclaves. They got most of all the same friends. I promise you, if, if this had been a GOP primary and a conservative had those yearbook photos, he wouldn't have lasted three seconds, man. They'd have dropped those the minute he formed an exploratory committee. The minute he showed his first public face at a GOP event, second. Because they're more concerned with beating people like us. And, and you watch the way both, the way both political parties, everything I've ever tried to tell you on this show, my entire career, but, you know, I'm the sole breadwinner at my house, so I can't. But I feel as if on a, on, a, on a moral level, my work here is done. Virginia Virginia verified everything in here, everything I've ever told you. Watch the behavior of the two parties. Republican oppo research, this stuff's just hanging out there. Nothing. Nothing. Why? And this is the same weekend the New York Times runs, a, runs an article about how the congressional Republicans are essentially shadow banning Trump's agenda. Because you're the enemy. Because the only party that hates you and me more than the Democrats are the Republicans.
That's why. And then look at where the Democrats prioritize. White doctor going on the radio and saying, hey, if a black mom um, delivers her baby and tells me to kill it, I'm fine killing her black live child. I'm fine with that. That's not racist. White doctor killing a live black baby while mom's even dilating. Not racist. Impersonating Michael Jackson in 84. Racist. That's all you need to know. Everything we've ever told you on this show about both political parties was on display this weekend in the Commonwealth of Virginia. Everything. Now, no one, you are, you are the, the, the reactions of the media on every side, everything. This was a microcosm, a microcosm of everything the American political landscape is, best and worst. And now, Todd, people are without excuse. They cannot feign ignorance anymore. Everything's out in the open yeah. as if it already was not. But they most certainly uh, will. It, it, it was appalling. And yesterday at the Super Bowl party, when I was at, when that Washington Post came on, and I I saw it coming, even with the patriotic stuff, and the people around me knew I was just about to lose it, because it's in light of uh, what Steve is talking about with this. Ex- the reason Steve has to lay this out like this has to have years upon years upon years of uh, trickling down and adding up to, to write the book, to say, aha, to have to hit you over the head with a two-by-four is because the press does not do its job on a regular basis. The New York Times admitted that. Yeah. Stunned that they admitted that the, they, we, they never tell the base the truth about the Republican Party because they love the fake binary choice because that's the environment they thrive. I was stunned they told the truth about that. And uh, it remains to be seen uh, why, if that's uh, if if that was some simple trolling going on. Uh, I mean, I, it, we would be wrong to take our motivations much uh, beyond that. The New York Times certainly isn't going to turn over uh, a new leaf, but it's a credit. You know, there's uh, here. It's always darkest before the dawn, right? And here you are, Steve Dace, just about to start the uh, book study of uh, Truth Bombs, and you have the perfect uh, realpolitik right here within the news cycle. You know, I think that's got to put a little spring in your step, don't you think? You're right. I mean, I love the fact that I'm always right about the really bad stuff. That's just oh, but if so encouraging. If that's going to happen, it, when you're slapping books to get your kids to Disneyland, <laughs> it might as well happen then. Aaron, so I want to make sure I have the sequence of events from your montage this weekend correct, okay? So he, he admitted he's a racist, and he, or he admitted he did this racist, racist prank. Mm-hmm. Then he came back and said, it wasn't me, Yep. okay? When I went all Ice Cube, I ain't the one, basically, mm-hmm. okay? And then he came back and said, but I did do another racist thing. Yep. <laughs> and I can moonwalk, to which he was asked. How can you still his, moonwalk? How he's about like, yeah. his wife has to step in like you're, like you're 10? Like she's the only grown-up in the room, man. And she has to step in and say, I have this, is, yeah. this is not inappropriate. May I have permission to ask the, or answer this nice man's question? That's what it looked like. How, hey. when you watch that, can you, does that guy look to you like he was ever a soldier? In no way, shape, or form. If, if you walked in and, and, and you brought your, your loved one to the ER and that guy came out in a white coat, would you feel safe and secure? Would you feel like, I think they got this? No, I'd be wondering when a pillow was going to end up over my loved one's head. So, so then how the hell is he a governor? 
Or maybe. Man, oh, there's on. no good answer hold to on. that. There's no good answer. Maybe that's. <laughs> no, there is one. There is one good answer, brother. There is one. Lord Nefarious is behind my, over my shoulder, whispering in my ear. Stephen, that's, that's why. Funny joke, huh? That's why he's yeah. the governor, brother. Yeah. You have it backwards. You're asking yourself, how did he get this job when really this entire time you've been laying out why he has this job? Yeah. And, um, you know, you're listening to this conversation. You may be tempted to think uh, we really need a new party now. And that is partially true, um, but it's not going to solve all of our problems. And to tease what's happening next hour on the show – we will explain why and how we got to this point with uh, both the Republican and the Democrat Party uh, in this country. And I think it's a cautionary tale for those who um, – everything okay, Todd? Go. Oh, okay. Uh, it's no, just I'm a cautionary – I, I heard you. Uh, it's just I'm a cautionary – I'm dying inside. <laughs> yeah, other than that. It's a cautionary tale uh, for anybody who thinks just a new party is going to solve all of our problems. It's not. Listen, man. I I don't know why. Here's the solution. Let's 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 be con- let's show just how truly patriotic and conservative we are. Boycott everything fun, everything fun in the culture, and show people just how much we want to preserve America by boycotting all American Americana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's how we do. Hey, when was the last time you had your ears professionally cleaned? Have you ever? Maybe you got that itchy ear feeling. No, not the, you know, spiritual kind that we often talk about, but the physical one. Ear pain. You had that plugged up feeling. Are you constantly asking people to repeat themselves? Maybe if these problems sound familiar to you, like they do for millions of Americans that are forced to visit the doctor for a professional ear cleaning. But now, now you can get the same results in the comfort and convenience of your own home with Wax RX. Wax RX. It uses physician-developed technology that safely and effectively removes earwax buildup and then soothes the ear with a pH-conditioned formula. And now you can use Wax RX without a prescription. No more expensive trips to the doctor or long waits in the waiting room uh, or using those over-the-counter solutions that just don't solve anything. Try the Wax RX system risk-free today. Uh, just go to usewaxrx.com. That is the website, usewaxrx.com, and use the offer code radio at checkout for free shipping. Offer code radio at checkout for free shipping at usewaxrx.com. Well, joining us today uh, from remote location this time is our good friend Bob Vanderplatz from the Family Leader. Good to see you, Bob. How are you? Good to see you, Steve. Thrilled to be with you from a remote location. Indeed. So the State of the Union will go on. Uh, delayed, but the show will go on tomorrow night. Uh, we'll have plenty of coverage uh, of the State of the Union right here on The Blaze with uh, our various uh, hosts as well as yours truly. But I wanted to give you a chance to sort of uh, give your two cents and preview what what you think the president needs to say tom- tomorrow night and who you think he needs to say it to, Bob. That's a great question. Uh, I've been thinking a little bit of the State of the Union, Steve, and I, I know it always gets overhyped. Uh, and usually people go, well, you know, everybody feels good if you're for Trump. You don't feel good if you're against Trump. But I think this is a big speech. 
I think it's a big speech for Donald Trump and his presidency. Um, Steve, you're a presenter, you're a speaker. Uh, one of the first things you, you need to know is who's your audience. Mm -hmm. And your audience is a divided nation. I mean, we are a polarized, divided nation. And right now, when he, when he campaigned as president, he got asked at one point, he said, you know, can you really be presidential? Because your campaign is anything but presidential. Can you be presidential? And he said, yes, I can rise to that occasion. I think tonight or tomorrow night is the night where he needs to rise to that occasion. He needs to be presidential. I wouldn't make this a time to be blaming the de Democrats and pointing fingers and that stuff. I think this is one of those times that we say often, need to think bigger and look higher. And Steve, when I was thinking about this particular speech, I was thinking of the last conversation that, that Mr. Trump and I had one-on-one -on -one where I said I'd be a friend to him. And I talked about Exodus 18:21 and about the need to fear God. Because we know in the scriptures, uh, the fear of God is the beginning of all wisdom. And I think this would be an opportunity for him to say, hey, when we're divided like this and everybody's trying to hold on to their whatever polarization they want to hold on to, why don't we look higher and think bigger? Let's go to God's word, his principles, his precepts. Let's lift this nation's aspirations. And from that, let him now champion the sanctity of human life because that's a news bigger than life. You take a look at what's happened in North Carolina or in New York and what is proposed to happen in Virginia. Mm -hmm. That's a mm -hmm. big deal. And I think this is a time for him to say, you know, one of the cornerstones of Hallmark about who we are as a society is how we defend and protect the sanctity of human life and call on a cease to the killing of the unborn, over 60 million that are dead. Then I think he could transition into right into about why, it, why there's a need to secure our borders, whether it be the southern border or any point of, in, of entry that we have in the United States of America. Why do we want to know who's in this country? Is because we want to keep those in this country, those that we love, we want to know who, you know, we want to keep them safe. And we want to welcome those legally into a process that would benefit this country. So I think it's a time for him to cast vision. But I think a hallmark has got to be, hey, we need to look higher and think bigger. A cornerstone has got to be the sanctity of human life. And that then transitions to his key issue, the reason why the government was shut down, why the government might be shut down again. And that is why is there a need to secure the border and all points of entry? Why do we want to know who's in this country? But tonight or tomorrow night more than ever, I believe he needs to come off presidential and he needs to raise the stakes. A lot of the Democrats go low. This is a time to take uh, a word from Michelle Obama. Uh, when they go low, go high. This is your time to go high because you know afterwards everybody on Twitter and everybody responding to the State of the Union that's not with you, they're going to go low. But at this point, be presidential and cast a vision what where leadership is and what leadership matters for the future of this country. I agree with a lot of that. I think that um, the the president, number one, I agree wholeheartedly, needs to know who his audience is, who his target audience is. Uh, his target audience is not in that chamber. His target audience isn't on Twitter. Uh, 75%, actually more than 75% of Americans don't even have a Twitter account. And among those that are active on Twitter, the numbers are pretty minuscule compared to the electorate at large. Now, the problem is most of the news that the electorate at large gets is heavily impacted by Twitter. But this is an opportunity for him to reach that audience directly without Twitter as a filter. And, and I think given what we, are, what we have watched the Democrats embrace and become already 
early on uh, in this year with power like we saw in New York, like we're seeing in Virginia, uh, the way that they're already uh, the locusts are already turning on each other uh, in their presidential primary. That's only a month old and it's only going to get wokier and crazier and nuttier that he has an opportunity to make an existential case about the direction and the future of the country, given what the Democrats are now openly offering up. But to me, that's this that's the. Pardon me. That's the second stage of what he needs to accomplish, Bob, because if he doesn't raise the stature and respect level of his presidency, he won't be an effective vehicle for people uh, to, to say, that's my alternative to what the Democrats are doing. And he's got all of the 2020 campaign to make that existential case and draw those stark lines. To me, 2019 has to be about he needs to get at least half this country believing he's a credible president and not a joke. Uh, and he needs to raise if I think if he raises the stature of his office and his presidency and the respect level of it this year, then I think next year he is I think he will be free to slice and dice how le- how far left the Democrats want. Uh, he can he can troll them on Twitter till his heart is content. But I think this year he's got to rebuild the stature of his presidency for that to be as effective next year as he wants it to be. And I think that begins with the State of the Union. I really do. I think that's why I think it's such a big speech. He needs to raise the bar for his presidency. I think those who support him, those who are basically undecided or waffling, they need to see a president. And even those who are going to discredit him, those who are already lined up at the microphone to say everything he said you know, was bogus, he's got to raise that, that bar saying, I can be the president of the United States. He's got to raise that stature. And then I believe he needs to cast vision for religious liberty, for secure borders, for the sanctity of human life, for a thriving economy that's based on free economic principles. But he's got to cast a vision that basically highlights a big difference than what the Democrats are proposing or about, but without pointing the finger or playing the blame game. That's what a leader does. A leader can communicate a positive vision for the country where people say, I agree with that. And then when Nancy Pelosi or Kamala Harris or whoever else comes on to attack him, they can say, no, wait a minute, they're just way off base. I think you're right, Steve, raise the stature, but cast vision with optimism, with hope, and draw clarity that there's a distinction between this and what they're going to offer you in 2020. Now, this may be an area where maybe we disagree, I don't know, but I, I do think it would that he's fine to provoke the Democrats in this setting provided it is over a principle and not a personality. Let me give you an example. If, if he were to take the, uh, the recent open infanticide uh, policies articulated by Governor Cuomo in New York, by Governor uh, Northam in Virginia, by Delegate Tran in Virginia, and if he were to say, if, if this is, hey, I've got pro-choice people in my own family, all right, and reasonable people can have you know disagreements on this issue, but if we're talking about open infanticide now, then as long as I'm president of the United States, I'm not, I'm not uh, uh, submitting a budget or signing one into law that gives a plug nickel to any organization that would commit this level of barbarism. We're better than that as Americans. I think if something like that provokes the Democrats to boo, howl, hiss, walk out, I think that's to his benefit. But I, I think he needs, if he's going to do it, I think it's got to be on a principle that's larger than his personality. Your thoughts? Totally agree with that. Matter of fact, I think it's part of casting the vision. 
And part of cast and vision is when something has happened, when you reach your Popeye moment, that's, that's all I can stand. I can stand it no more. That is what happened in New York. That is what's happening in Virginia. That is what people are advocating of, of you know, infanticide. That's where you should say America's way better than that. We are about a culture of life. And that's why tonight, as your president of the United States, I'm going to ask this Congress to defund every penny from Planned Parenthood and any other organization that goes for abortion. We are going to embrace a culture of life with policy. We're going to embrace a culture of life with funding. That is vision. That, that's vision from a point of a deal like, you know, that's all That's all I can take. But here's what we're going to do about it. And if that makes his opponents walk out on him or if that makes his opponents go nuts, so be it. But that's a leader. And that's a leader on a principled issue. He can't do that on every issue, but on the life issue, he can do it. And I'll keep him America safe and secure. He can do it as well. What's your biggest worry about about the speech tomorrow night? Well, I, you know, I'm not so sure because I, I think the State of the Union, when I've watched his uh, his previous two, I thought he has risen to the occasion. I think those are the times where we've seen him actually be president of the United States. So I think he's getting good counsel. What I don't want him to do is to say, you know, this is my time to pick a fight. Because I don't like what's going on in that committee, those committee meetings on they're not providing any funding for the wall. So I'm going to go after it and I'm going to have a personal attack. He needs to stay away from personal attacks. He needs to keep it on principles, on issues and on vision. I think if he does that, he wins. Hmm. Since I think you and I would agree, 99 and a half percent of all this analysis is already written. Okay, we already know what everybody's going to say after the speech and who is going to be the people saying it. Okay, and we also know the vast majority of Americans aren't going to consume any of this while people in our world are obsessed with things they will largely ignore. Okay, so with with the scripts already written of who will say, I mean, the president could stand up there and do this. And we have plenty of people on my team. They are going to draw all kinds of clicks telling you those are the greatest fart noises you've ever heard. Never heard of fart noises like that. And, and then he could stand up there and literally do cold fusion with his bare hands. And the entire primetime lineup on CNN is going to say he's a racist because he didn't do it 10 minutes ago. All right. So we already know all of this. We know the whole thing's contrived. Right. We get that. All of the analysis is. But somewhere in the contrivance is a measuring stick of, of how the American people responded. That said, hey, this this was a win for the Trump presidency tonight. How would we how would we find that measuring stick? What would it look like in your mind, Bob? Well, it'll be interesting, especially for those of us who reside in the state of Iowa. Uh, you have all these caucus candidates. I looked at the lineup that's coming in the month of February, and it's like frequent flyer miles of presidential candidates into Iowa again on the Democrat side. Uh, I got to believe there's going to be more than one or two presidential candidates who are going to say, you know, we're, when he said this, I actually agreed with him. When he did this, I actually agreed with him. If they do that, then you know that he's actually that he's actually winning. But you know already what's going to be. It's going to be that was that was a divisive speech. He just polarized the nation more. He's not fit yeah, to be. Yeah, no matter no matter what he says. Yes, I agree. Yeah, but I think you're going to get some people that are typically taking shots at him. Take a look at what Maggie Haberman's going to say on Twitter. Because I think she's she's more than willing to call him out for his deficiencies. But I've also seen her have his back at times. I'm going to be interested to see what a person like Maggie Haberman of the New York Times, what does she tweet? Does she say that this struck the right tone? I'm not saying she's the only plumb line, but she's one of the plumb lines I'm going to be taking a look at. Hmm. Yeah, I, I... 
I just I don't know. Yeah, you know, I think the the I, I think in you and I's world, yeah, I can see that. I think the average person watching right now is like, what the hell is a Maggie Haberman? And, and I sure. care about, I care about that. Like I care about the fact Bud Light doesn't have high fructose corn syrup. Cause I don't even know what that is. Okay. So you look what you care about. What, one thing I think we, we could see that might be a win is what is, what negative, div, what, what, what it is that the democratic candidates in Iowa are saying about the speech was negative and divisive. For example, if they're saying that it was negative and divisive, um, and that because he wants to build a wall to defend the country, and that's why we have to abolish ICE, then I think that that that's a that shows you that um, he successfully articulated a position that puts them on a leftist fringe outside the mainstream of most of America, but it's one they have to articulate to the Grinnell College voter to win the Iowa caucus. Okay. So I think that would, that would be one way to see that, you know, he got a win there, but if it's about uh, the way people are portrayed, then that's meaning all claims of divisiveness from Trump are not equal, I guess is what I'm trying to say. I'll give you the final word on that. I think you're right. As a matter of fact, if you're seeing presidential candidates just flipping out because he wants to take away all the funding from Planned Parenthood or because he wants to stand for the sanctity of human life, mm-hmm. I think that in a large way, that's a win. Mm-hmm. If he's saying, I want to secure or protect the people in this country, I think that's a win. If they're reiterating his talking points, but saying why they would do it differently, why they believe in socialism versus free economics mm-hmm. or unsecured borders or abortion at will, even after the, the baby's out of the womb and given birth, you know, that would be a win because that means he won that night because it's highlighting the stark difference between the other side. Yeah, he claimed the high ground and now they have to be honest about what it is they really want rather than just call them names. You're right about that. Good to see you, man. Talk to you next week. Good to see you. Look higher. All right, that's our good friend Bob Vanderplatz brought to you by our friends at Home Title Lock. Homeowners, beware. Data breach has exposed 24 million more of you to home title fraud. That's a crime that could cost you your home. Here's how. You may think I've got identity theft protection. I don't need to worry, but they still have information. Uh, last four digits of a social, middle initial, uh, a checking account number, the kind of thing that they would use that when they want to go on a government site and verify that they're you, that's the kind of information they would use to, to claim that they're you. Then they forge a signature on a county accessor and recorder site, et cetera. And voila, they now have pilfered your home's title. And no, they're not going to make the payments for you. They're going to make sure you get stuck with those while they liquidate the equity. Maybe you'll find out when you go to get a HELOC or to refi your home, somebody's already done that. And now you're shocked or you were shocked in an even worse way. Uh, the, the bills and the late notices start showing up in the mail. Uh, don't let this happen to you. Uh, the your own home is the most valuable investment the vast majority of Americans will ever have an opportunity uh, to own, and your bank will not protect you, but for pennies a day, Home Title Lock will. And right now, you can register for a free title scan and report to see if your home's title has already been targeted by thieves at HomeTitleLock.com. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Some reaction to uh, Mr. Vanderplatz and uh, his preview of the State of the Union and what he wants to and doesn't want to see tomorrow. Todd, your thoughts? Well, I thought your question to Bob, what are you most concerned about or afraid of, however you put that, you know, my instant reaction was I, I, I don't I don't have concerns or fears because I'm simply resigned to this man being this man. So my question, I throw one back to you, does that mean I'm being smart and realistic or does that mean I'm defeated and I just can't anymore? Well, I, I think it depends on the context in which you are going to say that. 
Okay, I'm not asking Donald Trump to suddenly um, uh, to suddenly be something different because Bob also pointed out that you know his well they didn't call it the State of the Union his first year it was called a speech to the Joint Session of Congress and then he gave the State of the Union last year and I thought both of those speeches were outstanding and I thought he did a great job commanding the bully pulpit uh, and rising to the occasion so you know we've seen him do what what it is we are asking him to do. So I don't think we're necessarily asking Donald Trump to suddenly, uh, you know, uh, become Augustine. Okay. Um, but I think we're asking him to be the best and most, most noble Donald Trump that he can potentially be. But again, to, to what end? To, I mean, we need and we need revival. We need an Augustine. I, I'm just left that he's he is the best he can be. Is it even close to good enough? Well, that's a different conversation. Okay, right now I'm purely just speaking politically in the moment. On a macro level, I don't I don't know that no matter how good of a speech he gives tomorrow changes anything on a macro level. I agree with that. That's why it's you know on our show it's revival or bust. But in the moment, I think he has the potential to change some things in the moment. Uh, if he were to seize the moment, though. We'll come back. Hour 2 is next right here, live and on demand on The Blaze. Stay tuned. And we are back with hour two of the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on the Blaze. 888-900-3393 is the number. 888-900-3393. Steve at stevedace.com is the email address. You can like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Steve Dace Show. This portion of the show brought to our brought to you by our friends over at Optima Tax. It's bad enough your IRS problems ruined 2018. Are you really going to let them drag that nightmare into 2019 as well? Consider what's at stake when the IRS has you in their sights, your paycheck, your bank account, your business, even your home. So if you're smart, you know better to deal with the IRS alone. You need expert help, but who? They're all the same, right? Wrong. Optima Tax Relief is America's number one tax resolution firm. Optima knows that behind every tax problem are honest, hardworking Americans with families, paychecks, and bank accounts to protect. When you engage Optima to fight for you and protect what's yours, you're getting a proven award-winning team. A team who can help stop the aggressive collection actions and help put your IRS problems behind you. That's how Optima has saved nearly a billion dollars for their clients. That's a lot of money. Billion with a B. Call for free consultation while you still have options. Free consultation right now. 800-699-6140. That's 800-699-6140. Well, we're going to begin a new segment uh, each week here on the show, Breaking News Permitting. And we've done this with the previous books I've written, so we'll continue the trend. I think it makes for good content. I know it, it provides me a good excuse to self-promote. So, you know, I'm always looking for those. It is the year of no BS after all. But but given what is happening as we speak, where it turns out um, that the, the Democrat nominee for governor uh, essentially went to racist R us for his Halloween costumes, and the Republican Party simply couldn't be bothered to find out 
while they were accusing Corey Stewart and, and his love of the Confederate flag in the primary of being a racist, after all. They were doing the bird box challenge with Oppo Research. Yeah, yes. <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, and now we've got the Republicans in the Senate voting uh, or proclaiming today, Afghanistan for Evs, y'all. We can't protect the borders of America, but we can not also protect the borders of Afghanistan, apparently. So that's that's cool. It's a great deal. <laughs> oh, <laughs> despair. Yes. So um, given what's happening right now in the news, the New York Times is admitting the New York Times is so out of trolling content. They're like, guys, all we have left is the truth. So run it every now and then. So the New York Times ran an article over the weekend admitting they, this is the stuff the media never – see, here's one of the unwritten rules of liberal media. You are not permitted to attack the Republican Party from the right. If you really want to know why I don't get invited on that much anymore, uh, it's because um, I, you're not permitted to attack the Republican Party from the right in mainstream media. You're just, you're just not. You can only attack it from the left, okay? Uh, and and the problem now is, a, given everything the Republican Party didn't do for the last two years, you got to move pretty far left to attack it from the left now, you know? And you got to get nuttier and nuttier and nuttier to keep getting those gigs, not mentioning any names, Anna Navarro. They're, so, they're you know, up for the job. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure you'll find, you know, complete, total, craven opportunists, again, not mentioning any names, Anna Navarro, who will, you know, totally take advantage of the situation, not mentioning any names, Anna Navarro. So um, you're not permitted, typically. You're not permitted, typically, to attack the Republican Party from the right. Now, I, in my career, have been given a rare dispensation where this is concerned, almost, almost papal, in fact. And the reason why is because, not because I'm special, not because um, I have a, uh, you know, a, 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 I'm a top 10 conservative media star. I'm not any of those things, but because of where I live. And because of where I live and the fact the circus comes to my town, in my neighborhood, where we're the sheriff of Nottingham around here, all right, they have to talk to us. If, if I had an even bigger platform than what I have right now, twice the platform I have right now, and I lived in California, I would not have gotten all the mainstream media appearances I've had in my career that's allowed me to attack the Republican Party from the right. Because that's not the, that's the Overton window does not permit that. The Overton window needs to paint Lindsey Graham in his 28% liberty score as alt-right. That's what the Overton window demands. All right. And and Jennifer Rubin gets to be a conservative. She's the conservative blogger of the Washington Post. This is what the Overton window demands. I have been I, I've been given I've been I, I've been Trojan horsed, and and this is why Iowa's not relevant now uh, on the right politically because we're you know there's a Republican president, so there's not an open caucus season, so they don't have to talk to me anymore. They don't they don't have to like me anymore. They don't have to pretend to care what I think anymore. And, and that's one of the reasons why you're getting crap coverage of the Iowa caucuses, by the way. Because this is one of the few things in life I actually know a lot about. Like, one of the things you're not hearing is, let me give you a name. You want to follow the name Jerry Crawford. Now, if you had media outlets that really wanted to know, like when your boy, when your, when your boy David Yepsen, who we had on a couple months ago, yeah. when he was around doing actual journalism, and they used to have him on, these are like the little nuggets he would share. That they would care about. Media doesn't care about those nuggets anymore. Now it's just as, as, as Marxist as we want to be. 
That's it's just it's just you know it's a it's a it's a it's it's the amalgamation of two live crew with uh, the the communist manifesto. Uh, it, we're as Marxist as we want to be. So they're not even interested in, in covering our caucuses good now. They're just interested in a narrative. Because if they were interested in covering our caucus as good, then they would want to know why I, 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 I'm going to tell you a name you want to watch is the name Jerry Crawford. Most of you have never heard of this man. I knew Jerry years ago in my time in sports talk radio because he's a big sports enthusiast. He's owned horses that have run in the Kentucky Derby. Very successful businessman. He's also really for the better part of the last three decades, the most powerful Democratic power broker in Iowa. And just like when Republicans come here, they want to get the support of our buddy Bob Vanderplatz, who was on last hour. For, for many years, when the Democrats came here, it was whoever gets Jerry Crawford support wins Iowa. Why? Because Crawford is close to the Democratic business community as a successful attorney, represents a lot of these people, but also AFSME, the big government employee union sec- worker, uh, labor union. And so if you got if you could get the guy who could who could introduce you to the Democrat business community and and represented the AFSME labor, you had the you had the donor base and the activist base. You 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 always won Iowa with that. Except the last two caucuses Jerry Crawford has lost. He lost narrowly to Barack Obama in 2012 or 2008 and then he lost it was basically a tie, but everybody kind of looked at it as they basically rigged it to, to give Hillary a tie instead of, you know, a, 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 an outright Bernie Sanders win. And he was with Hillary in 2008 and in 2016. And the reason why you want to watch Jerry Crawford is because he's going to tell you, in my view, and I'm not talked to Jerry in several years. So this is not inside baseball directly from him. This is my own analysis. I think he's going to signal for you whether the Democrats have any interest in appealing to a lot of the voters they lost in the last election, or if they believe that Trump is unpopular enough that they can just go flat out communist. Because Jerry's not a communist. He's more liberal than you and me, but he's not a Marxist. So, but if, so if Jerry gets on board with an Elizabeth Warren, a Kamala, Kamala Harris, Cory Booker type, if he doesn't go to a Joe Biden, for example, or the, the kind of candidate that, that he would go with is the Beta O'Rourke, Joe Biden type, okay, in this race. Remember when Hillary said the problem with the, the reason she lost Iowa twice is because she actually still believes in capitalism. Remember when she, we had her on the, that's sure. his kind of Democrat, okay? If, if Jerry Crawford decides that he's going to line up with a hardcore leftist, then that tells you the Democratic Party is totally given over now and has no interest whatsoever in appealing to middle America any longer. On middle America's terms, anyway. Now, that's the kind of analysis you'd be getting if the media was interested in actually covering Iowa, but it's not. It's interested in pushing out its narrative. Because having someone like me on I'm going to attack the Republican Party from the right. And they don't, want, they don't want you to do that. Remember when Carol Costello to HLN kept having me on last, last year? And they kept having me on this talk show host in Virginia who's this big Trump guy. And so since, she, since I was never Trump and he was forever Trump, they thought, you know, we were going to argue back and forth. And here was the problem. I was actually more conservative than this guy. And my complaint with Trump was that he wasn't keeping the promises fast enough that he made in the campaign. 
They thought I was just, you know, a middle America Bill Crystal. Because to us, to the media, we don't exist. Or they would prefer not to acknowledge us. So you're not permitted to attack the Republican Party from the right. Because that's that violates the Overton window. So when the New York Times says over the weekend, oh, by the way, the Republican leadership is essentially shadow banned Donald Trump's entire, you know, policy agenda. That's a breathtaking admission for them to make. I mean, breathtaking. If I, if I entered that as an op-ed column, the New York Times would never run it. Or if Mark Levin did, or Glenn Beck did, they'd never run it. It's breathtaking that they're admitting this. So how did we get into this environment? How did this happen? How did we come through an era where from 2009 to 2016, over 1,000 elected Democrats for various offices around the country lost? State legislature, governor, How is it that we had Republican governors simultaneously in Maryland, Maine, and Illinois, and Massachusetts at the same time? That had not happened, guys, since TV dinners with Milton Berle on Sunday nights, okay? Since uh, that's, 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 that's how far back Michael J. Fox went back to the future to meet his mom, all right? That's, that's the last time that happened. And yet, the country kept going left. Why did they vote 51 times to repeal Obamacare when they were in the minority? And then when they had the power, they didn't do it. So, last year, I went into a contract year. And, you know, I get treated pretty well here. But... Um, in today's uncertain media environment, like last week, Huffington Post is the number one political website in, ter- in terms of total traffic in our industry. Right or left, they're number one. And what did they do last week? Cut jobs. Yeah, laid off a whole bunch of people. So that's the uncertainty of this industry. And you never, I'm not whining about it. I signed up for this. And you, we all talked, if, if this were to happen, who knows? We'd be okay with it. We did our best. If it wasn't good enough, it wasn't good enough. And we'll go do something else, you know? But along those lines, I got to thinking, if the worst outcome possible happened and my contract didn't get renewed or the uncertainties of this industry, we were caught up in this. And it might be my last chance to have a platform that anybody cared what I had to say. And um, I remembered a conversation I had with, um, with Congresswoman Michelle Bachman several years ago. And, uh, and she was running for president in Iowa. And she had come in like a force of nature, got in the race later than a lot of the other candidates did. Uh, before she became a formal candidate, I was the only media member invited to an exclusive town hall that she did off the record with uh, conservative activists around the state. And I was invited in on the grounds that everything off the record would stay off the record, but I was given a chance because I was helping this organization consult on who to support, 
And one way to give me the, you know, opportunity to give them the best opinion is to see what they see. And so I saw all these candidates in the 2012 cycle, Palenti, Herman Cain, all these people came in. But I got to see them privately off the record answering questions from activists that weren't scripted. And the most impressive, and it wasn't even close, was Michelle Bachman. In fact, it was one of the most impressive displays by a candidate I have ever seen in Iowa in any cycle. Her command of the data, of the issues. um, You know, you heard stories. She's gone through so many chiefs of staff and she doesn't know how to run her office and she's inexperienced. I mean, she came in and it was like, if Margaret Sanger had gone to like Oral Roberts, I'm sorry, if if Margaret Thatcher, if (laughs) Margaret Thatcher had gone to like Oral Roberts University, it would have looked like this. I mean, she was insanely good. And then, you know, she let a lot of other candidates announce and then she came in, I think in May, which is pretty late, especially when we still had the straw poll. It was just around the corner, a couple months away. She comes in and wins the straw poll. It's the highest turnout Iowa straw poll ever, probably also the last Iowa straw poll ever. And um, I was in the midst of changing jobs in in a non-compete and the new company I was going with did not want me to endorse a candidate right away because they thought it would take away from the attention of the show. So I didn't. And months went by. And after this huge start, her candidacy begins to flail. And it was really sudden. I'm not really sure, you know, some people point to after Rick Perry got in the race, he got in even later than she did, kind of took the wind out of her sails. Maybe that had something to do with it. I don't know. But we were into the fall now. And she's gone from winning the highest vote total ever in an Iowa straw poll to she's now polling in the single digits in Iowa. And she brings her tour bus down my street, which really impressed my neighbors. That was cool. And, um, you know, she's calling me on the phone, asking me if I will come off the sidelines and support her candidacy because some people close to her thought that if I did that, it would help to re- to kickstart her campaign. And the final conversation we had, I I said to her, let's say I go back to my management and say, I need to do this for you because I want to support your candidacy and it's that important and I think I can help you. I I can't make a case to my management that you can win if you don't believe you can win. Because it's really hard to, to, to ascend supernova and come back. That rarely happens in any walk of life to do that let alone in one election cycle. And she asked me, um, what is it I could do that would convince you that I believe I could win? And, you know, I'd I'd seen her at numerous campaign stops in Iowa. We got invited to speak at a lot of the same campaign events in Iowa. So I saw her and her family and her husband, Marcus, numerous times. Um, Marcus had called me on the phone one-on-one, you know, to sell me on Michelle's candidacy, her husband. And um, I said, Michelle, you and Marcus need to take the next couple of days 
It's about a month until the caucuses. I think this was like early December. I said, you, you and Marcus, take the next couple of days. Understand that if you flame out here, your political future may be in peril. Even your congressional seat. And eventually it was. She's out of politics now. And I said, it's conceivable that if you flame out here, you are going to go from the new hotness to a nobody in a, in a short amount of time. It can happen to any of us. And what I would urge you and your husband to do, because when this is all said and done and, and people like me don't return your calls anymore, the only people that are going to be left are going to be the two people that this started with, you and him. And get together with one another and say to yourselves, if this is the end of our run, if God has something else in store for us in the next chapter of our lives, can we walk away thinking we said everything that needed to be said? We fired every bullet that should have been fired. And if in the end we're done and it's a new chapter in our lives, no regrets. We did everything we could. We fired every bullet we had at the system we could. And we went for broke. Go big or go home. Last night, you know, Tony Romo's like, well, will the Patriots punt it? You know, what will they do? Screw that. Bill Belichick's going for it, baby. Okay? That's why he's Bill Belichick. You play to win the game. You go big, go home. Second place, the first loser. I want to see you go for broke. Because I had also seen her bust into these cheerleading cadences. These really, she'd give these really weird stump speeches, and it was all the same. Kate, and, and because I'd seen her privately in this setting at the very beginning of her campaign, I knew what she was intellectually capable of, which also told me the consultants around her sucked and told her she essentially had to be the brunette Sarah Palin when she's got a lot more substance to her than that. So I'm like, you come out and you, you lob some bombs, man. You go for the win. Then we'll talk. Then I, Because I can't help you in your current state even if I came out. I wouldn't move a needle. You, gotta, you, you, you provide a little bit of spark and I might be able to throw some kerosene on that puppy for you. But, you know, like the great prophet Billy Joel once saying, I didn't start the fire. I can help, you know, amplify when you start, but I, I can't do everything. I'm not, you know, I'm not Commodus of the Iowa caucuses. I don't go into the arena and give a thumbs up, thumbs down. Um, maybe you've been uh, given uh, some delusions of my grandeur. <laughs> That's not the way it works around here. And... Uh, she politely hung up the phone. That was the last conversation her and I have ever had. And I was thinking about this one day early last year. And if indeed this would be the end of my time in full-time politics and it was time to go and do something else, could I walk away knowing I said everything needed to be said? I fired every missile, every bullet. Because here's the thing. I can't undo the relationships I've ruined, the bridges I've burned, taking the stances I've taken, standing for the things I'm standing for. You know, I'm on the record with all this stuff now. You already have decided, based on everything I've already tweeted, said, written, I'm already a bigot or not. I'm already a hater or not. I'm already a racist or not. I can't undo. No amount of, of virtue signaling, pearl clenching from this time forward can erase if you disagree with me, the red in my ledger. 
And as I wrote in Rules for Patriots, don't attack what you're not willing to kill. So if, if indeed they decide to go in a different direction around here, can I walk away knowing, hey, that's the highest body count I could have possibly produced and I'm, I'm satisfied with it. I don't want to be sitting around in 10 years thinking, man, I wish I would have done this. I don't want to make the mistake I think Michelle Bachman made. I'm going out. Blaze of glory, John Bon Jovi. That's how I'm going out. Hail of bullets. Even if they're all making holes in me. <laughs> right? I'm going out. Guns a-blazing. And that's where this came from. This is essentially um, a living will, <laughs> if you will. Um, just in case. In case something happens to me. All right. Uh, this is the, this is, uh, a compilation of every hard truth I was ever forced to learn in this process. I don't want you to make the mistakes I made. If you want to pick up the mantle, you want to, you, you want to let me pass the baton to a new generation of activists. Don't end up cynical and burnt out like me. Because I, I wasn't warned. I, I was told that if we gave really flowery speeches, I, I was told that if we just made really compelling arguments, I, I was told, I was told the reason, the reason Henry VIII behaves this way towards the church is just simply because no one's really shown him what the what the true message really is. And that if we just sent people who really believed it, Henry VIII would just stop misbehaving. He'd stop sparking guillotines and uh, being a clown. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. The goal of this book is not to discourage you from working hard. It is to encourage you to work smart. I think I would have accomplished a lot more in the last decade if someone would have told me the truth. Instead, I got essentially the stereotypical army recruiter speech. Yeah, be all you can be. It'll be great. Someone should have told me what what this is really like. What really goes on in those cloakrooms, what really goes on in those caucus rooms, that the game really is heads you win, heads they win, tails you lose. And that you can only begin to win by understanding and admitting to yourself how much you've been set up to fail. This is a scared straight this book. And that starts in the introduction we're going to discuss in a few minutes. Right from the outset, because here's the thing. If, if you don't understand where you really are, this book is kind of meant as a prequel to Rules for Patriots. If you don't really understand where we are, you won't consider the paradigm shift that is required. You know, you just keep clicking on Drudge. I think, I think on Friday, Rush did the, the, the show about how the Democrats are forcing themselves into extinction. 
that's like 79th time I think he's done that show. I used to listen to that show all the time in 1993, 1994, 1995. Weirdly, Democrats won a lot of elections after all of those extinctions. And you just keep thinking, yeah, maybe I'll vote for Lindsey Graham again. That'll work. Uh, that'll be great stuff. That'll be great. And then you'll, you know, one day you'll look your children in the eye and you'll be the generation Reagan warned us about. Where we have to tell our children what it was like when men were free. Except your, your children will be offended that you dared to assume the gender of any of these people. That's where we're heading. I don't want to go there. I don't. I don't. I don't want to end up in a place where I feel, you know, like, you know, I made all these enemies. I passed on all these compromises that would have made Disney trips in my household more plentiful for nothing. I'm fine not being rich. I'm fine not being liked. I'm fine. I'd rather be liked and rich, by the way. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm, I'm fine if those things never happen. Provided, I'm like John the Baptist at the end who sends his one last disciple. Just one more time. You're the Messiah, right? Okay, we're, we're totally fine with this whole beheading thing. We just need to make sure, all right? I'm fine with it as long as I'm sure that it was worth it. And in the end, folks don't want to listen. They want to listen. I did the best I could with what God gave me and move on. Dust hit sandals and move on. But this book is one last attempt to see whether or not I can reach people because they just haven't heard or I can't because they don't want to hear. Some of you won't want to hear. Some of you will continue to, you'll want to play the click conservative game, the clickbait game. You know, in between your palm malls, you'll want to be told on handy day tonight that everything bad is because the Democrats somehow dastardly fooled us again. I, I, you'll want that. I get that. I can't change that. I know there's a market for it. A pretty big one, as a matter of fact. But in the end, the ash heap to history awaits and no amount of clicks and no amount of fortunes will satiate the ash heap to history. The reckoning comes one way or the other. Now, I'd prefer not to happen in our time. And that's why I wrote this book. And we'll dig into the introduction to it when we come back. And now's the time on our show we all love and adore when Aaron pretends to be promoting one of our cherished advertisers here on the show, but instead is doing what the kids call today the humble brag. Yeah, you know, last week we had those uh, high temperatures in the uh, uh, below zero range. Uh, when I was trying to avoid getting frostbit, uh, I actually pulled out my iTarget Pro system and uh, did a little practice run. I took twenty, uh, 15 paces back, 20 shots. Nine of them hit inside the six, which is so it goes from five, six, um, seven, eight uh, to the bullseye on the iTarget Pro system. I got uh, nine shots inside the six. I got one bullseye, and then the rest of them were spread out uh, everywhere else. You messed around and got a triple-double? Something like that, yeah. <laughs> now, if I can do that, 
If I can do that in three months using the iTarget Pro sparingly, fairly sparingly, uh, imagine what you can do in just one week. Resolve to take your firearms training to the next level with iTarget Pro. Utilizing your smartphone, their proprietary app tracks a caliber-specific laser, which fits in your firearm and will detect exactly where your shots are landing. iTarget Pro is completely safe, comes with your caliber-specific laser, target system, and instructions so you can begin training immediately. So uh, take your Christmas cash, cash if you got any of that left over. Go to the itargetpro.com, letter itargetpro.com. Check out the video. Choose your caliber and download the app so you're ready when the system arrives. This month, you can still get 10% off plus free shipping with the offer code STEVE when you purchase the iTarget Pro system. Save money, save time, take your skill to the next level safely and effectively. That's the letter itargetpro.com. Offer code Steve, itargetpro.com. All right, let's get more in-depth in our study of my new book, uh, Truth Bombs, Confronting the Lies Conservatives Believed or Our Own Demise, available right now at Amazon.com, bookstores as well. Thanks to all of you. We're up to, I think, 72 comments now at Amazon on our page there. So the more the merrier, especially if you like the book, the more five-star reviews we get, we greatly appreciate. We also asked our audience today, and we're going to do this each week as well on our Facebook page, uh, if you've got uh, questions about the book and the particular chapter we're discussing uh, that uh, you want us to address, address uh, on the show here. Uh, Doug Thorne asks, for example, on our Facebook wall this morning, if there's one thing uh, that I would hope to achieve with this book, what would it be? I, I kind of think I laid that out just a, a little while ago. I, I, this is a scared straight. Remember that classic Jimmy Cagney scene where he's totally politically incorrect, where he shoves the grapefruit in the face of the hysterical woman? I, I'm Jimmy Cagney. This is the grapefruit. Okay, and this is I'm shoving it in your face to get your attention. Stop reacting to what's around you. All right. And look at what is actually happening. Uh, Steve Shasta asks, what is the Republican Party without President Trump and the issues he ran on? It's 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 George. It's what you saw in the Bush era. It's the party that lost the 2012 elections, the 2008 elections. Uh, The last time this party picked an argument with the Democrats prior to Trump showing up was whether or not to invade Iraq. And that was the decision that ultimately undid George W. Bush's presidency. That's what it would be. That's that's where it's at. So, gentlemen, I turn the floor now over to you guys. Well, you've spent a lot of time already talking about uh, Governor Northam and that uh, column in the New York Times, which is where I'm going to start, which is where I was going to start. I, I can't do any better in terms of uh, getting pulling an answer out of anything you've already given. So I want to talk about in that introduction, when you go over the data that you just went over last week and several times about how uh, Republicans' uh, uh, voting records, uh, based on what conservative review says, are in – um, red states versus Democrats, uh, their voting records uh, in swing states. Mm-hmm. To sum up, Democrats are always all in and Republicans are always pulling punches no matter what. We we kind of talked about a, what that says about the politicians. But the fact that this is perpetuated over and over again, what does it say about us? Both us, the typical Republican voter, and both us, the typical uh, Democrat voter. Uh, there's a great book um, uh, out that talks about the values that people in general prioritize and then uh, how they act on them. It's one of the uh, best uh, books I've ever read. So it, it, in the end, it's all an us problem, is it not? Mm. Yes, 
but I think that, um, let me use an analogy. It ultimately, is it your fault if you go to the crack dealer? If you walk over there of your own volition, hand them the money, buy the crack, and ingest it. Is it ultimately your fault? Yes. Yes. Okay. However, if you were really down, if you were really looking for an escape, if you were really thinking, man, my life sucks, I, I just want to... I, I, I want to tune out. And you looked around for options. And the crack dealer wasn't on the sidewalk. Would you be willing to, would you still be, would it still be as available to you to engage your most um, primal instincts? No. No. I mean, you're not, you're not flying down to the Colombian fields. You're not processing the, the, you're not, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's all that infrastructure has to be in place to say, to be your doctor feel good, to say to you, we've got, this is why, you know, our friend Daniel Horowitz refers to it as political um, heroin. There, there, there's a lot of bureaucracy and infrastructure that exists to feed this to you so that you take the easy way out. Because if that if that crack dealer is not on the sidewalk, you might instead say, you know, there's a gym over there, and I read a study that said one of the best cures of depression is an exercise regimen. You might even God, see there's a church over there. Maybe they've got the answers. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You might even do something even more banal. You know, man, I just I could use a double banana split right about now. Maybe not the best life choice, but there's the double banana split. And the, and the impact it has on who you are as a person uh, down here. And then there is, let me see what the crack dealer is doing at three, way up here. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Meaning you would have to find other ways to, to satisfy this, this longing, this, this, this hole that you have right now going on. This is what political media is. It is the drug dealer. Now, all of us that consume this morphine, we have done this of our own volition. No one is making you click on this. No, no, one is, no one is making you do this. No one is making you go to um, Gateway Pundit, Alex Jones, Salon, Vox. No one's making you go to any of these places. No one's making you watch Joy Reid or Sean Hannity. You're doing this, all of you are doing this of your own free will. But the question would be, if those options, if those options to encourage and incentivize your primal instincts were not there, and you still had a longing for this information, where would you have to go to get it then? You would have to go to places that were providing more substantive information. That's where you'd have to go. Or back in steak Cheetos territory. Yes, because there would be no other options. And see, this is where we are at. Where we are at is there's a, there is a crap load of grifters on the right. I'll just put it bluntly. There's a crap load of grifters on the right and, and, and an infestation of postmodern cultural Marxists on the left. And it's hard to tell the difference because a lot of their content looks the same. Like, uh, I'm going to boycott the Super Bowl 
because the NFL's kneeling policy, they fixed the kneeling policy. They they did an entire cheer of, uh, they've been celebrating first responders and Americana all year long. 2016 called and wants its tweets back. All right, you're being played. They don't do this anymore. They gave it up. They realized, you know, this 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 is not good. We should stop doing it. Well, yeah, Steve, they ran social justice warrior ads last night. Well, how would you know unless you watch the game, number one? I thought you weren't watching there, Patriot. Huh? Okay. It reminds me when a kid, I had a kid named Ontario. At, 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 at my, at, at, at what, I'm trying to even remember what, Grand Rapids Elementary School busted me once for seeing me at a Kmart on a Friday night, which I was. My parents took me there to the toy section after we had dinner at Denny's. And I looked at him and I said, well, how, how would you know it was at Kmart unless you were there? He was like, no. <laughs> that was my first lesson in reversing the premise. I was 10. <laughs> All right. It was the fifth grade. Okay. So, by the way, the social justice warrior ads that the NFL ran last night involved marching in the footsteps of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., didn't Jeff Sessions do that? I mean, come on, guys. Okay? And the problem is that content looks a lot like um, the effeminate daily beast hack. Well, the NFL won't employ Colin Kaepernick. And um, so uh, it's racist. And so you think you're reacting to that and you're not. You're helping it. You're enabling it. You're giving him the, you're giving this effeminate loser over here the reaction he wants because here's the thing. He hates everything you're for. He wants it destroyed. He's an iconoclast. He's a postmodernist. They're not trying to conserve anything, guys. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. That's a good line. I wonder if it should be in a book somewhere. That's their goal. The locusts are here to feast. They want none of this left. None of it. And so when we do this stupid click servity stuff over here, I'm I'm the real patriot because I'm not watching the Super Bowl because the NFL hasn't denied Colin Kaepernick a contract enough for my liking. I, I want the NFL to issue a release saying, uh, because your afro is too high and uh, you went with Black Lives Matters, that's why you can't play. I, I, I need the NFL to write a Breitbart expose on why Colin Kaepernick can't be in the league. Todd's getting really uncomfortable now because I'm just calling everybody out. Um, sir, I'm sorry, sir. The uh, president gave an interview to the nation during the Super Bowl yesterday. So you're now more loyal to Trump than he is to himself? That, and it might be. It might be. So you've got grifters to the right of me, jihadists to the left. Here we are, stuck in the middle of these two. And that environment is poisoning us. We're not having any real debates. We're not having any real debates on anything substantive you care about right now. None. Unless Trump picks it via his Twitter account or maybe the State of the Union tomorrow. Unless he goes there, we don't debate anything real. Nothing. 
I was out. I was out here on Friday have, during our lunch break after, between shows. We finished this show and then you know the roundtable. I was out here Friday grabbing lunch and and I was watching cable news in the monitor out here in the hall. And the whole thing was about uh, Trump defying his intelligence chiefs. I'm like, dude, I could go on YouTube find these exact same hack announcers who were 10 or 15 years ago, uh, these intelligence chiefs are lying about WMDs in Iraq. Bush lied, people died. Are you old enough to remember that? I am. Are you old enough to remember, Todd, we weren't to believe the intelligence chiefs? You remember those days? Those were the days, 2007. Because most of this is a scam. So now the same leftists who told us not to believe the intelligence chiefs in Iraq, which, by the way, they might have been right about, uh, now want us to believe them that Iran's our friend. Is our pen pal? Here's a, they're they're producing content to an America hostile to you and me, and then everybody else produces an, a, a content hostile to them. You know what's lost in a lot of this? The truth is. And so, if, if the goal here is let's just have a civil war and be done with each other, we're we're doing we're doing great. This is the way you do it. This is how you do it right here. You put the you play the guitar on the MTV, all right? You do it right here. Money for nothing and your chicks for free. We're doing great on that. Now, if the goal is to actually preserve a, a great civilization, this is a terrible means of going about it because we're just toxifying the political atmosphere and our political media across, comprehensively is largely to blame for it. Now, are they to blame for it because this is what the consumers want and are demanding? And the consumers, if they if they decide to be more integrity filled, the consumers hate each other on both sides of these tribes. That the business model wouldn't work. That's the steak and cheese. It's debate. I don't know the answer to that. Meaning, if they said we're going to sell steak instead of cheese, it's would we buy it? I don't know. We may be too far gone as a culture. If that's the case, then you know, then maybe the most humane thing to do is just to issue a divorce decree now before it ends up the Bolsheviks and the Mensheviks in the streets. If that's the case. If we're not interested in the truth on any systemic level, then we are better off just going our separate ways then. Because this will end with a lot of, a lot of, a, 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 a lot of ugliness. Because it's the truth that sets you free. And I don't know the answer to that question. But long term, to sum up, if you go jihadist versus grifters, it seems like you're, the, the jihadists will always win. Always. The, end. the crusader always beats the gangster. Yeah. All, one of the great lessons in human history, the crusader always wins. Always wins. History is always won by the crusader every time. You just need to hope that what the cause they're crusading for is a worthwhile one. Well, to get our crusaders back, the next thing I want to talk about, you talk about uh, the founding fathers in the, con- in the context of attacking their moment and who we are attacking ours. And the fundamental attribute that you say made them... Uh, uh, ex- capable of success in which we are lacking is humility. Uh, I'd like to ask about tactics and how we can do that better. But first of all, I think we are so lost on definitions. I think we need to start with 101. What is a football? Steve, what's humility? Humility was their acknowledgement that they're not God, that there is a God and he is the judge of history and they're accountable to him. Uh, they didn't believe they could, they, they believed they had to respond to the revelation of history, not that they could reshape it. When in the course of human events, what is that? That is the declaration of an observation. And then they end with uh, divine providence. Um, the, the references to the judge and the, the, of the governor of the universe, as Madison put it. 
meaning they they were they were students of humanity's place in the grand scheme of things. We believe we are the center of the universe. We're we are pre-Galilean political philosophers. We believe the universe revolves around our ability to shape it. You're describing the Tower of Babel. Yes. Yeah. That's what we are. That's where we lack the humility. And without that basic humility, we have no chance whatsoever. None. Aaron, I want to let you get the final thought in here for Red at a Time. Brought to you by our good friends at Home Title Lock. Don't let your home be your most valuable asset taken away from you by thieves. Free title scan and report right now from our friends at Home Title Lock. They'll make sure if any of your identity information has been taken from you, it has not been used to try to steal the equity in your home or maybe even the outright title of the home itself. HomeTitleLock.com is the website. That's HomeTitleLock.com. Aaron, you get the last word. Yeah, it is striking uh, listening to this conversation and reading the introduction of this book. It reminds me a lot of the feeling you get when you're reading Nefarious Plot for the first time, or really any time, and it is a series of gut punches. There's a great selling point. That's going to get your kids to Disney World. But no, it is. (laughs) It's a necessary gut gut punch, though, because we have to be confronted with how bad things are. What's the first step in recovery? Admitting you have a problem. We have to be confronted, sometimes very uncomfortable, comfortably so, with the reality of the situation at hand. And the reality of the situation at hand is that we have a, we are surrounded. This shouldn't come as any, any uh, surprise to any of us. We are surrounded by idolaters. How do we work our way through this? How do we help people find the light? That is, um, I think that's really the message of the book. That's what, those are the hard lessons mm-hmm. that you had to learn. Mm-hmm. That's very well said. We are back at it again tomorrow. Plenty of State of the Union talk. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.